Welcome back. I'm Peter Wood, and I'm the author of Mud Between Your Toes, A Rhodesian Farm, which is a memoir about my life growing up in Zimbabwe, or formerly Rhodesia, in the 1960s and 70s. This is a podcast about family, independence, loss, and above all, identity. Hello again. The Lower Zambezi had its first rains of the season last week, and as if by magic, the dead Mapani forests have suddenly come alive with a billion tiny acid green leaves. Against the dark black tree trunks, this looks like a scene from a children's tale. Even the usually leafless baobab trees have broken out in small leaves. If you haven't already guessed, I'm here on the Lower Zambezi at Chirundu with my brother Duncan. It's close to sunset and we're out on the floodplain yards from the river. So Duncan, welcome to Conversations with Pete Wood. How's it, Pete? How are you? Dunk, now you're a great lover of hunting and what better place to talk about it? In particular, I want to talk about recreational hunting. Can you tell me what that's all about? Yeah, Pete, look, recreational hunting is people that hunt for themselves. They don't have clients. They don't have to worry about uh, luxurious camps and equipment and vehicles and all that. And basically, it's guys that, you know, they do hunting for themselves. Uh, the, the meat that they shoot is, uh, they use for biltong or rations. If they happen to get a good trophy, well, so be it. But it's all really about the fun of being out in the bush, the laughs, the, the comradeship, and the memories, and, you know, just being in the wild areas. I mean, um, it's not really about the blood sport itself, is no, it? No, not at all. It's, uh, it's you the know, camaraderie, yeah, isn't and, it? And the, and the characters, the, 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 because of the, the hunting, the, the, the characters that are, are made because of it, you know? And I think that a lot of people overseas, or I'm not saying overseas, but, you know, maybe m many of my listeners, you know, they'll think that hunting is all about, you know, you know the, the, the killing of the animals. But, in fact, a lot of uh, people don't realize recreational hunters are also big conservationists, aren't they? Yeah, of course. I mean, because we're down here in these areas where there's wildlife, we see what's happened to the rhino, for example, how... They were all poached out, and, you know, for a lot of us, it's, it's tragic. And now, of course, as what Luke said in the other interview, the, the, the elephant are now being poached out. And, you know, we, we find that it's, it's tough, and it's... And it's yeah. been given a bit of a bad name, hasn't it? I mean, there, there are always a few bad eggs everywhere. I mean, a few people are going to uh, blast away at things. But uh, um, in particular, you know, the one that sort of springs to mind is Cecil the Lion. I think everyone in the world has heard about Cecil the Lion, haven't they? Yeah, but Pete, that was, that's different because that's professional hunters. We've got overseas clients coming out with their professional hunters and they're going off shooting. That's canned hunting, no, basically. No, no, not at all. No, not no. in Zimbabwe, no. Uh, lion, you know, the big game. But it it's costs a lot of money. It's big money. And unfortunately, amongst some of the professional hunting fraternity you're getting guys that are not very um 
Sportsmanlike. Yeah. How about that yeah. for a good word? Okay. If you want to uh, want to use that, or very ethical. Let's put it that. Way. Yeah, yeah. Let me take you back a little bit. So, when was the first hunt you went on? Um, you know, can you remember that? I mean, can well, you tell the, me uh, what it was you, you shot? Yeah. Well, the first hunt we went on is when we went out with uh, John, our father, and Ben Norton, and his son uh, Alan. And that one's when we were about 15 and we went to the valley on our first hunt. But of course, prior to that as kids, we went on hunting camps when we were still children. Back in the 60s, you know, if you can remember, and all the adventure, adventures that took place in those days, you know, with, you know, you know Ben, John, our dad, Bill Francis, Gary Van Memmerton. Yeah, it was incredible. But I mean, you always went hunting on the farm anyway. It wasn't really my kind of thing. Um, but I want you to tell me a little bit, a few stories from back then, particularly the Zambezi Valley in the 70s, for example. I mean, there were a lot more rhino around, obviously. Well, the 70s, if you remember, were the war years and the hunting was closed. But in the 80s, uh, it, it all started up again once... Um, Bit of a hippo going on in the background there. There, you know. And uh, the hunting was fantastic. And for us recreational hunters, we're still on the topic of recreational hunters. Yeah. It, it was pretty cheap. We had areas that were reserved for recreational hunters. So there weren't foreign clients coming in competing with us because obviously they had more money. And, I mean, those days were brilliant. There was still a lot of rhino in the valley... The, the place was full of other game, other species. And, you know, if I recall, you know, the 80s especially, hunting in, in this part of the valley where we are now, uh, it was great. And the, the stories and the, 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 the you know, the mess-ups and the, the laughs. You know, and it's not just the hunting in the bush, but mm -hmm. it was also being on the river, going out fishing in the evening yeah. on the boat, as we are now. Were you, were you ever charged? By a rhino. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just about every day we went out, we got charged by rhino because there were so many of them. In fact, they were just about a, a pest, you know? Do you recall any particular stories where you nearly or your... Well, remember your friend Spike? He came out with us the one day and... Uh, I've, rhino... I've interviewed Spike in an earlier episode, so hopefully my listeners will know who Spike is. OK, well, uh, we were walking down this dry riverbed and, as you know, hunters generally walk into the wind so that the game can't smell them. And Spike was at the back of us, and we walked past this rhino that uh, was lying in the thick bush, which we didn't see. But if, as we walked past him, he woke up and got our wind, and he chased us down the riverbed. And you know that feeling you see it in cartoons where you're in quicksand, and our <laughs> legs just felt like jelly. And Spike was at the back, and, well, as long as he was be behind me, I felt okay. <laughs> so we had to run 100 metres down this riverbed before we found... And this thing wasn't giving up. Oh, no, no, he was after us. He, he, he ran down the river. So the idea snorting. that they're blind is absolutely rubbish. They can see you pretty well. Well, they can, but it's mainly their smell that's good, and they're cantankerous, and uh, they seem to charge out at, at you instead of it running away. It must have away. been a lot of fun, actually. No, it was actually brilliant fun because it was a laugh running away from them. As You know, sometimes you just hide behind a tree and they go off past you. But unfortunately, within... A few years, they all got wiped out. Yeah, know? yeah. Some of them were saved. They moved to other areas, but the rhino in the valley were wiped out. 
and apparently today there's efforts here in this very area to try and re reintroduce them. You know? and, the, and the hunting now, recreational hunting, has actually become pretty expensive anyway, hasn't it? Well, there's no difference now between recreational hunting and clients that come from overseas. There's, you see, in the 80s, there were certain areas that were reserved for Zimbabweans to hunt in. And uh, those areas were obviously cheaper to, for us people to go and hunt in. Now, of course, well, there's less areas, and they need the money, and uh, you know. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to bring you forward a little bit uh, to the last time I was invited down to one of your hunting camps, and I, I think it was around about the millennium. And it, I can't even remember what camp it was. It was way down the Zambezi River, um, and there was a hell of a amusing story about a buffalo. Do you, you want to tell that? I mean, in fact, I was on the river fishing and we had broken down. My friend Peter Parks and I had broken down and we had drifted to the Zambian side. And the Zambian fishermen had said, thank God you didn't drift onto that island there because there's a really can cantankerous wounded buffalo. Do you want to tell us that story? Yeah, well, that buffalo, while we were there, gored a, a tourist who was... Uh, on a canoeing safari. I think she got onto the island maybe to go and... Have a crap behind yeah, the tree. Something like that. Anyway, the buffalo uh, attacked her and hurt her quite badly. She had to be Kazavaked. And we took it upon ourselves, well, let's ask national parks. We didn't expect a good answer. Yeah. If we can go off and shoot it, because it's a problem animal. And amazingly, they said, yeah, okay, fine. Go off and shoot it. But obviously the, the meat and all that would go to parks. So we decided in the morning to, to first light. All the guys that were hunters and a few other fishermen that were there grabbed rifles and we went across to the island to try and sort of flush it out, make it charge us, and we'd all belt the thing and that would be it, us tough game hunters. Anyway, I was in the front early in the morning and we were walking towards this island, but there was a, a narrow channel uh, a real crocodile-looking yeah, channel. and I waded through it, and it was a bit deeper than I thought. And the only guy who came through the channel with me was Ian Hammond, who had a video camera. And, and Ian was knee-high to a grasshopper, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, and sadly, he, uh, he died in a, in a car accident not long after that. Anyway, Neil and I walked through this deep channel and onto the island where the buffalo was. And I looked behind, and all the other guys were standing there. And I said, well, come on, guys, come and join me. I know. <laughs> You know, they, 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 they didn't want to walk through. It was too, too deep. So they said, well, just wait for us. We'll go back to the boat, come round, and you meet us here uh, where, where you're standing now. So what actually happened, luckily I was half alert, and I was standing on the edge of the island. My men had deserted me, and this buffalo just charged out from the, from the thick bush straight at me. And unfortunately, Hammond didn't have his camera ready, what, it all happened so quickly, and I, I shot it at my feet. And it uh, literally dropped down dead at your yeah, feet? Yeah, I fired twice it and killed it, and it had a bad wound on its leg. Anyway, when all the other guys eventually pitched up, 
You know, they were so livid because they'd missed out on all the action. And I accused them of being cowards and... Oh, it was hysterical. Now, I was out fishing that day, uh, walking down the river, and I came back into camp, and there was a terrible atmosphere because everyone thought that you had just gone ahead and done it without, uh, without them being there. No, but the fact no. is that they didn't want to walk across the bloody creek anyway. I, I accused them of, well, on D-Day, you, you didn't just walk back to the boat because you thought the water was too deep, did you? You know? <laughs> no, they were terrified of the... Look, to be honest, I was a bit surprised how deep... You talk about still waters run deep. The channel was a lot deeper than I expected it to be. But I carried on wading through, got onto the other side. I mean, I was drenched. Luckily, the rifle was still dry, thank God. And, uh, and national parks ended up with a with a whole lot of meat yeah, as well. Yeah, they took the so meat. So they were very happy. But, uh, yeah, but um, in fact, you're not even allowed to keep the trophy, are you? No, no. But that didn't matter. It was no, the it fun wasn't. of the hunt. And also, and I was the only one who took place took part in the hunt. It was dangerous for canoeing safaris, you know, to have a wounded buffalo roaming around. Well, that's why they gave us permission to go off as big heavies. Yeah. To go off and shoot it, you know. Yeah. Dunk, I want to talk to you for hours about all of this, but um, I think, uh, you know, maybe we should end up um, just having a look around us. You know, isn't it beautiful here? We've got some hippo about 25 yards from us right now, making um, the odd sort of honking sound. Um, and I hope, you know, are you going to be going on any more hunts in the near future? Well, I hope so. Look, I'm not really doing much hunting for myself anymore because those opportunities are no longer there. I'm not a professional hunter by any yeah. means. To me, the idea of taking out a client and stroking his ego all day is... I'm not interested And they're in definitely, definitely not. Uh, I mean, they weren't in our, uh, when we were kids. They weren't um, smart camps at all. No, they were rough and ready they, as hell. They know. looked like something out of that movie Southern Comfort. Well, they looked like a you refugee just, camp. You just they? had a tarpaulin thrown over a tree branch and some biltong hanging up, drying behind it. Yeah, they were good fun, though, weren't they? Oh, yeah, great. I mean... The, the stories around the campfire at night, the, the way that our parents used to, you know, rev each other, what's the word, you know, pull each other's leg and all that sort of thing. Yeah. It was, it was brilliant. And it was just being in that atmosphere, in that environment, which, which just was so thrilling, you know? Absolutely. So listen, Dunk, thanks a hell of a lot for talking to me. You know, I might call you back for some more war stories soon. Peter, I mean, those war stories all happened years ago, so <laughs> not many re re recent ones. But I think it's important to sort of emphasise right now as well. You've already said this, but, you know, without the hunters, the animals wouldn't be there. Yeah, well, y you know, you you've got this argument about banning hunting and... Well, if you're going to take the hunters away from an area, with the, uh, we're now talking back, to, we're going back to professional hunting. Right. Because that's all the hunting that is now. All these areas now where there is hunting is run with uh, professional hunters and they bring clients in from overseas. Mm. So it's all big money. And the, without that money that they, they use for hunting, they use that money to help with the anti-poaching. And all that sort of. Thing. But you know, look, we've 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 been on that. But by and and by and large, before. you know, despite a lot of other, you know, bad things happening in Africa, but the money that is going into that is going to the right places, or not, or is it going to someone's Land Cruiser in Harare? Well, this is the problem. You know, that's where the corruption comes in. Mm, okay. That's where the anti-hunters have got a bit of a 
platform to talk about. And, okay. But, you know, I don't really know enough about that side of it. And we're not As here I, to I, talk politics. I've never politics. been a professional hunter, um, but, you know, you hear what, what goes on. And Look, I think most of the, the guys that we know, the Zimbabweans that we know that are hunters are pretty ethical. But, you know, you're going to get... You know, people are driven by greed as well, you know? Mm. Mm. And, and, and also, I think what's also happened in some areas is that, that there's been a case of overhunting. Too many animals have been shot. And that's simply because of money. Or the wrong kind of animal, maybe. Well, yeah, but I mean, maybe an area that should really only shoot 30 buffalo a year, we're shooting 70 buffalo a year. Unsustainable. But it's all about money, you know? Yeah. Well, so, isn't that the way of the world? I think we should end off, off there, Dunk. Copy. Because I, it's, it's sundown and it's time for me to have a drink. Thanks so much, my brother Duncan Wood, sitting on the banks of the Zambezi River. Thanks a lot, Dunk. Okay, Pete. My brother Duncan, on the banks of the Zambezi River, I have to say we had to make a hasty retreat because a female hippo and its calf started having a go at us because it wanted to get up onto the bank to graze on the grass. I should also mention that in the story about the buffalo, it should have been Ian Hammond and not Neil. Well, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening to me. And remember, you can tune into my new episodes of Mud Between Your Toes via iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Blueberry, and Pocket Casts. Don't forget, you can always buy a copy of my book on both Amazon and Kindle. And I also welcome comments by email on mudbetweenyourtoes at gmail.com. If you want to get involved and you have a good story to tell about those years in Rhodesia, and if you're brave enough to be interviewed for Mud Between Your Toes, feel free to write to me. Goodbye.